Hello, Michigan baseball fans, coaches, and players alike, and welcome to Cold Weather Bats. Finally, a podcast devoted to our great state and its long list of baseball talent, where you can hear from some of the best players of the past, the present, and the future in our player interviews, along with coaches who have made a long-lasting impact on individuals and programs in our coaching interviews. I'm one half of the show, Brandon Justice, and every week until they tell us to stop, I'll be joined by Brian Sikowski. Brian, how are we feeling about cold weather bats? I'm excited about this, man. You know, we've been talking about it for a little while now, and I'm just really pumped that we finally got this going. I'm really pumped about what we're going to be able to to highlight as far as uh, amateur baseball in the state of Michigan goes, and uh, I'm really excited to be a part of it. Yeah, I think this is something that universally, with, with each individual we spoke to about it, uh, it, was, it was really the same sentiment, that this is a void in, in, in our state. There, there really isn't any specific year-round coverage. You'll have the, the newspapers go out and do some things. You'll have MLive go out and do some things for games every so often. Uh, but you really don't have anything that is dedicated to that that in-depth analysis. And, and it's a state that both of us can agree, and, and I, I, I would assume a bulk of our listeners would agree, that deserves some of it. We, there's talent in this state, and you'll hear from Alex Mooney in, in our first player interview in this episode talk about that exact you know sentiment. And I think it's it's finally time to to give it a platform, and I, and I believe we can do that. Yeah, like you said, man, everybody that we reached out to about the idea and kind of checked the temperature on was really excited about it. And, and honestly, man, like you and I have both done some cool stuff in terms of the Internet. You know, this is this is maybe the first thing I've ever been a part of where there is no other one. You know what I mean? Like kind of like building a thing here as, as opposed to building our own version of something that already exists. Like this doesn't exist anywhere. So I'm excited about that. That sort of we kind of get carte blanche with what we want to do with this. You know, we kind of get full creative control without having to follow uh, like an existing rubric or anything like that. I'm really excited about uh, the the opportunities that we're going to have to to build this and and hopefully uh, do some good along the way with with connecting coaches and uh, listening to players and, and and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you that you said also, uh, you know, doing some good things because while while this is a a void and is a chance for us to to build something extremely popular that that we both agreed on something that would um, you know catch a lot of listeners' ears because of it being the only of its kind. At the same time, we have this this awesome opportunity to connect coaches, to connect players, to give maybe some players at home that uh, need to know the ins and outs of recruiting. Maybe they need some. They don't have the the advisors or, or what have you, like some others do, and they, and they want to hear about those things. This is going to give them a, a space to hear about it. And the same goes for coaches. You'll hear for some from some phenomenal coaches who are either from Michigan or currently coach in Michigan. And heck, I'm excited to learn from them. So I, I know a lot of the coaches at home listening should be as well. I think uh, something maybe every now and then we forget is how much we can learn from what people people tell us. Simply just storytelling can teach us so many things. And I'm extremely excited to to share all of this information that's going to be you know, created from us but also given to us from our guests as well with, with the storytelling. I'm just extremely excited to give these guys, these coaches and these players who have worked their butts off uh, to give them a platform to talk about what's gotten them to that, to that success level because there is so much success in Michigan right now uh, and I'm happy to be a part of hopefully continuing uh, that trend. Yeah, man, it, it's uh, I tweeted this not too long ago, but it's 
the classes in high school right now in the state of Michigan, 21 through 24, unbelievable amounts of talent, man. You know, like I don't necessarily judge classes by how many SEC commits they have. You know, there's, there's some more nuance to recruiting than that. Um, but at the same time, man, a lot of SEC commits, guys committed to ACC schools, you know, Michigan has built itself into a brand name for baseball, given how they finished in 2019. Lots of kids committed there, obviously. Michigan doing a good job in its backyard. It's just uh, it's an exciting time in the state, and I'm happy that uh, we're going to be able to provide a medium um, in terms of analyzing that and, and hearing from those involved and, and hearing from those who have done it and continue to do it. And uh, we're just the moderators, man. We'll uh, we'll help other people tell their stories, but we're just going to moderate it. Absolutely. And some programming notes before we go into today's episode. Uh, you can expect episodes every week until on Tuesday, uh, and you should get them early in the morning so you can start them on your drive into work, coaches on your drive into uh, to the office. And uh, you can expect that to be the, the forum for now. Uh, but we will reassess in the future. If there is demand for more, we, we will assess that. For now, we will stick with Tuesday, so you can expect an episode every week from us. Uh, it's it's going to hover somewhere around 60 to 75 minutes. Uh, should should do you good each Tuesday. Uh, on top of that, it's time for you to learn about who the heck you're hearing from. Brian, tell us about yourself. <laughs> we, we might as well give our credentials, right? Uh, my name is Brian Sikowski. I am a native Michigander for my entire life to date. Um, I was born in Dearborn and raised downriver and currently reside in Dearborn. Uh, I went to Gabriel Richard High School, which is uh, the Riverview version of that, downriver. I'm a proud Central Michigan grad. Um, I'm a proud downriver rat also. And as far as baseball goes, uh, I wasn't real good at it. So as soon as I got to, to Central Michigan, I, I wanted to get involved in coaching and then I've wanted to to coach baseball ever since I realized I wasn't real good at it. Um, and so I got involved with the CMU team. I got into scouting. Um, that is where a lot of you will probably know me from is my professional life as the national supervisor for perfect game. Um, and in my, uh, I guess, part-time life, I, I help coach uh, Matt with Matt Petrie at Orchard Lake St. Mary's. Uh, you'll be hearing from Matt on a, you know, near future episode. And you'll be hearing from Alex Mooney noted Eaglet on this episode. And, uh, yeah, man, just, uh, really, uh, lived a baseball life so far. And I'm, I'm looking forward to making that my next 50 years or so. Also. Absolutely. Downriver rat for life. Uh, myself also <laughs> on that note, also a downriver rat, uh, always have been, always will be born and raised in downriver, started in Allen park, uh, imported to Trenton, and then uh, ended up in Woodhaven, but graduated from Trenton High School, uh, and and went there for the bulk of my of my school career. Played there under Coach Todd Zalko, who you can also expect to hear in a future episode. He took a team to the Final Four last year. Uh, a guy I really respect. They got a phenomenal field, new field as well, all turf, which is great to see in Downriver. Some turf fields, as that as those turf fields continue to grow, it's just good to see them in a community that I'm sure we'll touch on uh, in the future is a very underrated and overlooked baseball community. Uh, Downriver really bred my love for baseball until I started playing travel ball in Oakland County, and then everyone was like, hey, what the heck? 
Uh, and, uh, yeah, like you, I was, I was not very good when it got to high school <laughs> for me. I was, uh, one of those kids that basically I just never got the body for it. And I think that's because I never put the work in. And that's also because I never understood the work that went into it. Now, uh, a more mentally strong man, <laughs> 16 year old would have gotten in the weight room, like a guy like Alex Mooney, who talks all about the weight room today. Uh, so that was the end of my playing career after high school, always wanted to coach, knew I could coach, uh, that, that I wanted to at least enough to learn how to. Um, but I will admit for, uh, I'm 24 now and I started coaching at 18 and until about 23 and a half, I don't think I really thought when I showed up to the field, okay, this is going to go well. Um, because there are so many variables in coaching, especially when you become a head coach. Uh, I learned a lot from, from numerous people. I've been lucky to have some mentors that you'll hopefully hear on the show in the future uh, that have gotten me to where I am now. Now I coach with, with Arsenal Baseball, an organization that I love coaching for, and that has really made me forced myself to get the most out of me as a coach in in the best way possible. It's gotten me to where I am now. Arsenal was my first gig and it will be my, hopefully my last gig when it's all said and done, because I I love that organization and I love what it stands for. And uh, hopefully we can touch on that in the future. Uh, I've also worked at um, a couple other places baseball wise, but where I am now is Lakeside Indoor, which is in uh, Girls Point, right in the border of Girls Point, Detroit on Cashew and Mac. I'm the director of operations there, kind of run the building there. I'm extremely blessed to have that position, uh, extremely fortunate. It makes me look forward to work every day, like much like you in scouting. I'm kind of in the private sector of things and with, with the building. I absolutely love it. I get to be around baseball every day. I'm also lucky enough to be a Girls Point Park resident now, uh, which is new and not downriver at all, which is refreshing <laughs> because as much as I love downriver as my home, I'm not sure I want to wake up in it every day. Uh, for the rest of my life. So I, I like being in Gross Point. Lastly, I am the catching coach at Saginaw Valley State under uh, longtime coach Steve Jaxa, who spent a lot of time at Central Michigan with, with, with you when you were there uh, and with plenty of others. And I am lucky. I am extremely lucky to be in the position I am. I'm extremely lucky to know people like you who will do a podcast with me. So we are excited to go. And that should be the last time you have to hear about Brian and I's uh, daily life. <laughs> You and I, uh, this is actually, I don't know if we've talked about this. Um, we have a common boss. We have now both worked for Steve Jackson. We have. So, yeah, <laughs> we're looking forward to hopefully having Steve on the show eventually. But yes, he was, uh, um, aside from, you know, the Down River Baseball Center where I worked in high school, he was essentially my first boss in baseball um, as the head coach at Central Michigan when I was one of the undergrad assistants there a lifetime ago. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy that, uh, th- that's a good boss to share. I think, you know, like obviously Steve's a great guy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's one of those guys where you, you can't, unfortunately, and this, this doesn't, this isn't just exclusive to Michigan. This is every state. Unfortunately, you have some coaches who maybe aren't in it for the right reasons. I can promise you Steve Jackson is in it for the right reasons. And he has, mm-hmm. uh, the right things in mind when, not only when he is, um, you know, recruiting a player, but also when that player comes to campus, he's really, uh, tries to have a very transparent, um, how I say environment 
where there really isn't, we're, we're all trying to be on the same page. We're all trying to, uh, you know, have a common goal. And, and Steve is genuine. He is considerate and he's a, he's a great guy to have around. He'll also tell you how it is, which is what you need. And speaking of Steve Jackson, um, coach, if you're listening, we appreciate you listening in. We're <laughs> going to, uh, we're going to segue right into our first coaching interview, uh, with Jeff Opelouski, who is a longtime friend of mine, uh, also a former boss and uh, a member of the Steve Jackson coaching tree. Um, Ope was the pitching coach and recruiting coordinator at Central Michigan for a long time under Steve. Uh, he was uh, obviously there when I was, and that's when uh, we became employer and employee. And then eventually, you know, Ope, is, Ope has been a fantastic mentor to me. And then now I'm lucky enough to call him a friend. And so with that being said, we're going to shut up. And we're going to lead you right into our first interview with Ope, who's uh, going to give us a good breakdown of uh, some pitching data, some tech stuff, some recruiting stories, and, and a whole lot of fun. Welcome back to Cold Weather Bats, the inaugural episode of the only amateur baseball podcast dedicated to the state of Michigan, uh, which is obviously extremely niche, but we're proud of it. And joining us uh, for our first coaching interview uh, was Jeff Opelouski. He's currently the co-pitching coordinator at IMG Academy down in Florida, native Michigander, a proud Chippewa alum like myself. Um, oh, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, you bet. Really appreciate you guys having me on. This will be fun. Yeah. So obviously we, we mentioned that you're the, the co-PC at, at IMG. That's a lot of letters. Uh, but yeah, man, like just could, could you give us kind of a breakdown of like what that's like? You know, I'm sure a lot of the people listening are, you know, there's a pitching coach at my son's high school and like that's it. You know what I mean? So for a pitching coordinator to coordinate an academy like that with the tech that you guys have and with the facilities that you have access to, we'd love for you to just kind of like break down what the day to day is there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, if the listeners aren't overly familiar with IMG Academy, I guess I'll give a brief rundown of kind of, you know, what our setup is here. And I think it'll make a little more sense as to, you know, what my role is then. Um, we've got, we're going to have over 200 players in our program uh, when we start back up in January and that'll break down into 12 teams. So we'll have two post-grad teams, a freshman high school team, a junior varsity high school team and eight varsity high school teams. Um, so it, all told, I want to say there's 93 pitchers at the Academy. Um, obviously bunks different levels and, and broken up into different teams. Uh, the, the fall is relatively easy in terms of the pitchers. We basically run it like a, like a spring training, um, in pro ball. And you've got, uh, in the morning, you've got the post-grads, the freshmen and the JVs and the post, the freshmen, and the JVs have very different programming from the post-grads. Um, and then the afternoons we have all of the varsity pitchers and basically what I do is I create the, the programming on a day-to-day basis for every one of those pitchers. Um, and it starts out as, you know, fairly generalized, um, things, not, not a ton of individualization to the beginning. We, we, we've got to get a better understanding of, you know, who these kids are, how they move, stuff like that. So we'll, we'll work with the strength coaches, work with the athletic training staff, get some movement screens, get some information about, uh, you know, the strength, uh, power output, stuff like that. 
and then start to create some individualization in the programming. And I'll work with the pitching coaches that are assigned to, uh, in, in the fall, it'd be groups. And then as we transform into the spring, it, the guys that are on their teams and we'll basically come up with individual player development plans for each one of these guys. And then it's, you know, our job to kind of monitor, execute, adjust, uh, you know, as, as those players continue to progress, um, you know, I have a role in kind of, you know, how we break up the pitchers into teams and, and trying to make sure it makes sense uh, from a competitive standpoint, as well as from a development standpoint. Um, and then I'm heavily involved in, you know, the stuff that we do from a tech aspect from um, just, yeah, I take a lot of meetings and have a lot of phone calls and now Zoom calls and stuff like that with with different companies and people trying to figure out, you know, what do we want to try to bring into the academy and and utilize. I mean, there's there's a lot out there right now, so trying to make sure, okay, is it going to be worth the, the financial investment? Are we going to see a return from a from a development standpoint? And you know, and then at the same time, does it fit with you know, within the logistical plan that we have uh, to make sure that we can actually utilize it. I think that's one of the toughest things with, with tech sometimes is it's, it's fun. It's shiny. It's new. It's exciting. It's all these things, but then you got to have a plan for how to actually use it, which requires education, knowledge, information, but it also requires you to be able to create a schedule that allows you to incorporate it into a, you know, a daily or a weekly or a monthly basis. However, the tech's best utilized um, so I guess that's without going into, well, maybe I already have bored everybody, but without too much uh, boring detail, that that's kind of what my job consists of down here at the Academy. Coach, you, you talk about tech and, and I, I think that's really interesting, a really interesting topic, especially in your case, because you've been coaching for quite a while and I, I, you've seen this evolution in technology, especially in pitching and pitch design and, and AI and all of those things. So what have you noticed, or at least in, in your own case, have you been able to utilize now that you couldn't have in the past? Sure. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, what, what technology is, it's really, I, I think it's probably a little bit misunderstood, or at least there's a little bit of a misperception about it. Um, you know, it's it, technology, it's, it's a tool, just like anything else that goes into player development. Um, you know, if you go back 10 years ago, you know, the overweight, underweight training was the, the very, very controversial, you know, hot button issue that, you know, at the time I'm coaching in college, I had to spend a lot of time researching, trying to figure out, you know, how we should or shouldn't incorporate it into, you know, our development plans in central Michigan. You, you know, you go before that and I know strength training was, was a big piece and it, you know, diet, nutrition and all that stuff. And, long toss. I mean, you fill in a blank, it, they all kind of fit under the same umbrella. So, you know, tech is, is really just, it's just another tool. I mean, it's, I'm sure you, know, you go back into the eighties and there was a, probably a split among scouts, whether the radar gun was valuable or not. Um, and now obviously it's, I don't think you would ever, you know, as a college coach, think about making an offer or a professional team, you know, draft a player that, that you didn't have all sorts of those, you know, measurable, values for. So it's just, it's, it's a player development piece and it evolves, um, you know, as far as kind of how 
what I use now versus when I first started coaching. Yeah, I guess, let's see, 2008, I started at Central Michigan and yeah, our tech was a lot different than it was a soccer and it was a, a stopwatch. That was about the extent of what we had. And, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, when, the, when some of the stuff first came out and track man and rap Soto and you know, the stuff that now is, is fairly common, it, the price point wasn't such that, you know, a, mid-major division one program was, it was going to be overly accessible to. So I didn't have much experience uh, with some of that stuff beyond, you know, driveline blogs or conversations that I had with people that, that maybe were in a position to utilize it. Uh, come to the Academy, we got different resources. So yeah, I basically been, yeah, geez, for two years, pretty much had a rap soda up for every, every time we've thrown a bullpen and, that just has required me to, to learn how to you know, interpret the information. And then again, it's, it's just a tool. So uh, how does that fit into the player development plan? How does what this is telling us, you know, help make the guy better. Ultimately that's all that matters is that our guys, that our pitchers get better. So um, yeah, we, we've, you know, our, our player development plans look a lot different than, than the ones that I had for the guys at, at central Michigan. Now that there's, a bunch of pieces to it. And certainly the, you know, the spin analysis is, is definitely, um, you know, one of those pieces I, I've always been really big on, you know, game planning. That was, that was kind of a foundational component of what I did with those staffs in Mount Pleasant. And now it's just, it's, it's a lot more precise because we, we know, you know, why the sinker sinks. We know how much it sinks. Um, we know, you know, what, it is compared to average, uh, whether that be division one average or pro average or, or whatever it may be. It's a little bit less precise information at the high school level, because I think, you know, the term average is it's just a much broader scale that you're trying to average out. So I don't know that it really applies um, in that capacity, but yeah, really helpful. It just expedites the process of understanding what I'm looking at and, you know, it gives you more tangible results when you make an adjustment to, to figure out, Hey, did what I think I just saw actually happen? Um, and if so, how can we do it again? Um, it just, it, it really speeds things up because it, it takes some of the guesswork out of it. In the, in the age of COVID, you know, obviously 2020 America, 2020, the world, you know, yeah. since, you know, March 15th, roughly or whatever it was pretty much every kid who's committed has been committed on, you know, not an in-person look. And that's where yeah. we're getting this tech, you know, tech is coming into play in, in a more important way uh, from the recruiting perspective. Do you think that like that sort of thing where, hey, I don't need to go see this kid because I have his Rapsodo data and I have video and I have whatever it is like, is, is that ever going to just full on replace in person looks or is there still something to be gleaned and, and stuff to be gained by going and watching the kid pitch yourself? Well, I think there's a lot that you're missing if you're just, you know using PDFs to, and video to try to figure out if a guy is going to be able to help you win or not. Um, and I guess I say it that way because, you know, ultimately, you know, winning and losing it in a, in a high level baseball is a really fine line. And, you know, you get to a point where, yeah, can that information help you decide whether the player has the baseline of physical skills necessary to succeed at a certain level? Absolutely. In fact, I think it'll probably, you know, tighten that process up a little bit. Um, but then 
you know, I mean, anybody that's coached for, for any period of time will be able to very quickly grab examples and, you know, either direction as far as guys that, that maybe performed at a, at a higher level than what their physical skill set suggests they should have been, or, um, you know, and the ones that keep you up at night are the guys that, that perform below what their physical skills say that they could. Um, so I, I don't think you find that stuff out in, you know, in something that, that tech would provide for you. I, I think you find that type of stuff out in, in having conversations with the kid, uh, talking to his coaches and, and potentially even his teammates watching, you know, how he goes about his process, watching how he interacts with his teammates. Uh, I don't think that stuff goes away. Um, you know, there, there's certainly, I think it could help, you know, with, with some of the, the, the evaluation process, but I don't know that, you know, when it comes down to it, when you get back to, you know, where like at the division one level, you're talking about a hard cap of 35 guys, 11.7 scholarships. I, I just, I wouldn't be very comfortable thinking I can just sit in my office and, and watch video and, and feel like, you know, I've got a pretty complete idea of, you know, of what this guy that I'm going to bring into my program is going to be able to do for us. I, I, I could be wrong, right? Things, things evolve. Um, but I I think you're missing a pretty big piece of the equation there that, that really, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're trying to win, you're trying to win championships. And, um, you know, I just, the, the, the makeup piece and the competitiveness and all that stuff is, is very, very difficult to tell, um, you know, by, by the metrics and, and via video, in my opinion. So when you're recruiting a player traditionally and you talk about makeup there and that's, a Makeup's really a, a key term that you you hear a lot about when you're when looking mm-hmm. at pitchers, especially around the country. Uh, and, and my question is, how important is it for you? Let's say in a more standard, simpler time when when we are able to gauge these things uh, as recruiters, how important is it to that makeup trait for the arms that you're looking at? Yeah, that's the one. I did it. Let's see. I was a recruiting coordinator for eight and a half years. Um, you know, full time college coach for ten. And every year I became more and more convinced that that was the most important piece. Um, and it was mostly just through trial and error, right? I mean, you go out and this guy is six, four, 215 pounds, throws 93 miles an hour. He's got a good breaking ball. Well, that sounds like that guy should be able to help anybody. Um, but why is this other guy that, is four inches shorter and throws four miles an hour softer. Uh, but yet he's the one that wins you 11 games and the other guy wins you four. Um, it's, it's, it's so important and it's, and it's elusive too, right. To try to figure out, I mean, <laughs> trying to recruit college is, it's really difficult because when you start to get into that makeup piece, it's, it's one thing, you know, to get an idea of, of what the kid you're talking to right now is all about. But a lot of these times you're talking to a 16 year old that's two years away from getting on a campus. But the, the one thing that you really have no idea how to project out is, you know, how is this 18 year old young man going to respond to a situation where he's no longer living at home with his parents, with those rules and, you know, whatever guidance and structure they provide. And now you're going to bring him into an environment where, you know, he's one of say 20,000, 18 to 22 year olds living in, you know, close capacity. And he's got access to 
a bunch of different things that he wouldn't have on a daily basis at home, good and bad. Um, he's got to make, you know, his own decisions. He's got to make his academic decisions. He's got to make his social decisions. Um, that's a scary thought, man. Um, I, I, again, I can go back to my own experiences in college. I, I I don't think that, uh, I don't think that coach Jackson was, was predicting a 2.0 GPA as a freshman out of me, not with the academic performance that I had, uh, you know, in high school, but there was big difference when, if I turned the alarm off, my mom didn't come into my room and kick me out of bed and make me go get, you know, breakfast and go to school. If, if I turned that alarm off, I could roll over and go back to sleep and nobody would probably even know until all of a sudden some sort of grade report comes out and it's not very good. Um, yeah, totally different environment. So it was, uh, really, really difficult to, to try to, um, you know, really just to try to navigate through that. Can you maybe give us like an anecdote or a story or something like one of those guys that you kind of mentioned already, the, the guy who maybe isn't at your baseline for tools or isn't at your baseline for, you know, pitching ability for recruitment, but you really, really bought the makeup and then he turned into a dude at CMU for you. Well, I'm not sure that I'm going to say, you know, a guy maybe didn't meet the baseline because Basically, the way I would do it from an evaluation standpoint is if they weren't good enough, they weren't good enough, period, right? Like if they're not, if I don't think that they physically have what they need to have to succeed and and help us win a championship, I couldn't put them on the board. That was just, you know, regardless of how I felt about the makeup and, and the person. But once, you know, once you did, and it's, it's a, it's a lot of names that end up going on that board. Um, and then you start to build on some of those things. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can look at some guys that weren't very heavily recruited. Um, you know, the one that that probably is, you know, for me about as, you know, fun an example as possible. I know Brian, you're familiar with this one. Probably be Tyler Hankins. Um, a big left-handed pitcher, a South El- El- self Elgin, excuse me, in Illinois. Um, you know, he's six foot nine, 195 pounds, and low 80s, bad breaking ball. Um, just, I don't know, man. I went and saw him pitch twice, and in 13 innings, he walked one and just threw a bunch of strikes and just kept competing and, and wasn't scared to throw it over the plate. And okay, there's something here. It's big. It's long. I like big lefties create some angles and, you know, but it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like we're beating LSU on him. I mean, he had like two other schools that even called him. I probably greater threat of him going to play basketball than, than, you know, being recruited. Uh, and and I don't think that, you know, it was certainly wasn't, I don't, I don't even think he was, you know, a top 100 player in his own state. And and I don't know that I would have necessarily disagreed, but, uh, you know, he came in and he just, he just did everything he was asked to do. I mean, it was, it was total buy-in. It was, I'm going to change my body. I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to do this, drop his arm slot. And Hey, this is what your very, very specific plan is. And I mean, I don't think he ever, ever shook off a pitch. I don't think he just did everything that he was asked to do and, and tried to do it to the best of his ability. And he's freshman of the year in the league He's freshman, all American. I think he won like eight games for us as a freshman had immediate success. Um, but it wasn't like there was a huge velocity jump or anything. I mean, it was 79 to 83 most of the time, but he just got really, really good at what he did. And he never, never doubted it. And he, I mean, he could say whatever he wanted to him and he tough enough to handle it. And he never doubted himself, never doubted the plan. And he just stuck to it. And, 
and, and was really good for us. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's a great example. He just went out there and trusted himself. Uh, certainly, I don't, I don't think that, you know, any of the preseason publications had him picked as the, uh, the newcomer of the year. I, that, that's for sure. Coach, as the man who wrote the Mac preview that year, no, I didn't. But anyways, <laughs> Brandon. Uh, Coach, you, uh, you've had your hands on a, a lot of great players, especially recent years. You think about Dan Robinson, Zach Cohn, uh, Chippewas, Zach McKinstry at Chippewa, uh, Ahmad Harajli at, at IMG now at Michigan. Uh, you know, you've had quite the impact around the state. Uh, we were extremely excited to have you on. Uh, lastly, we have to put you on the spot, although we admittedly did give you a little bit of a heads up, not much, but about a, about a 15 to 20 minute heads up here. We're asking all of our guests, all of our coaching guests, especially uh, because Brian and I, as we discussed, simply don't have enough time in this state, we believe, to make a clear call on uh, Michigan history here. But who do you believe or which team do you believe was the best team in Michigan history? Well, obviously, I can't really give you anything before about 1999. Um, just anything that happened before that is kind of before my time, right? Um, I go, you know, going back to 99, I can say that Detroit Catholic Central team with Bobby Malik and uh, Rogowski and uh, the, the, the big variety that went to Eastern Tomey, I think was the name. They were really good. Um, I think they won a state championship that year. Um, you know, more, more recently, it's, it's, it's really hard for me to try to, you know, do something like that because they're, they're so, it's so different. The baseball is so different where, where I grew up in Saginaw. Um, you know, there, there's a pocket of, of pretty good baseball, um, with Bay city, Midland, Saginaw, Mount Pleasant there, uh, in in that Saginaw Valley league, but it's totally different than, you know, you go to the West side, Rockford's had some, some great teams. Hudsonville's had some great teams. And then, you know, you get into, into Metro Detroit where it's probably a little bit more consistently, um, you know, talented in, in terms of, you know, a team that's you know, got maybe four or five losses might, might still be a really good team. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. I never got to really see them play as a team because they never actually played as a team. But I, I tend to think that, you know, the, the group that say Mary's was, was going to have this past spring would probably be somebody that would have to just from the talent alone would, would be somebody that would have to enter into that conversation. Um, you know, but as, as far as, you know, to, to say the, the best one, geez, man, um, I, I, I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to give you an exact year here, but, uh, the, the brother rice team that had Pat McKenzie and Jimmy Pickens, um, I think there was a uh, young Rupenthal in there. Uh, that, that's probably about as good as team as, as I can remember. I, I think Stone uh, was on that team too. Um, you know, guys that had a lot of success at the college level, but had a lot of success at the high school level as well. So, I mean, if you're going to pin me down and make me pick one, that's probably the one I'm going with. It'd probably been about 2011, maybe. And speaking of makeup, guys, I mean, we had to mention Pat McKenzie. So that made, that was perfect a perfect little closer there. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and I think he's actually coaching high school baseball in Michigan somewhere right now too. So that uh, yeah, that's that's great. Tie that back in. Now Pat was as good as it gets makeup wise, no doubt. Uh, I remember at one point I don't remember which year it was, but at one point deep into the season he had like a five forty on base percentage. 
And I was like, what? <laughs> I remember texting you and you're like, you know, he literally gets on base more than he gets out. I'm like, <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable, man. And again, and you're talking about, I'll be completely honest. I, I mean, I wasn't, the majority of his recruiting process had been completed prior to me joining the staff. That was Mike Milano, the My predecessor did a, a really good job on him and, and Bob Riker too, for, you know, kind of, explaining what this kid is. And I'm pretty sure, pretty sure he described him as, you know, potential multi-year captain, which is like, geez, that doesn't happen. Um, and, and I also think he was right. I think he was a two-time captain, but yeah, Pat just, I mean, he played at the absolute top of his physical ability every single day. And, you know, it's unfortunate. He probably should have been player of the year in a Mac in, uh, in 2015 when we won a championship and, and he was a senior, but, uh, just, you know, the power numbers probably prevented that from happening, but golly. Yeah. What, what a, what a good player he was. And with that, we, uh, we finish our first coaching interview on the inaugural episode of cold weather bats. Oh, thank you so much for joining us, man. I uh, appreciated you appreciated having you on a uh, really great insight. And, uh, if you could, be so kind as to tell the people where they can find you on social media. Uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll close it up. Yeah. Well, I'm a little bit less active on social media right now than I was, uh, when I was in the college game. So really the only, the only platform that you'll probably see much of anything is, is Twitter. And that's at coach. O. Um, and certainly would, would love to have some engagements if there's ever anything that, uh, that I can do to, to help anybody out in their, you know, quest for becoming a better player or coach. Welcome back to the first episode of Cold Weather Bats. Uh, Brian Zakowski joined by Brandon Justice as always. Uh, and now we're going to do a little riffing segment, I guess, where you're going to have to listen to us talk, which, you know, given the quality of our guests on this episode, I understand if you wanted to hit the old forward 30 seconds on Spotify app a bunch of times. I get it. We won't be offended. Uh, we appreciate the listen regardless. But anyways, uh, Brandon and I were having a little discussion through text and, and we saw it post on Twitter. Um, who's the greatest high school baseball team in Michigan history? And I, you know, you and I are both of, of a younger generation. You are quite a bit younger than me, but even still, I like to think I, I don't look a day over 29, even if I am 31. Um, but with that being said, I don't know if we have the collective, like, you know, the, the necessary history to really answer this as far as like looking back in the the sixties and seventies. And even before that, blah, 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 blah. But I do think that as, as guys who have been in, in the Michigan amateur baseball scene for, for some time and, and are both students of history in that respect, we can at least comment on recent history at the very least. Don't you think? Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. We've been, and, and here's the thing. And I, and I'll tell anybody this and, and I understand if you, if it's taken back by you, but I think that we're living in the golden era of Michigan baseball. I think this is the best it's been. And you can say that there was more talent in the past, and I can't sit there and deny that. But what I can tell you is that we, we spoke earlier about the amount of commitments down south and the commitments to the Power Fives and the rise of Michigan baseball, a Michigan baseball team that had a lot of Michigan natives on it. You know, you think of guys like Tommy Henry and Carl Kaufman, and Michigan baseball is in its its golden era. And, and that's, I, I believe, based on what I've the conversations I've had with people, even even older folk, no offense to those who don't like to be called old, but 
even they are agreeing with that sentiment that this really is the best it's been in, in a very long time, if not ever. So I think we're I think we're all right to make some judgments here based on recent history. Yeah, definitely. And you brought up that Michigan team, man, like the big three arms, uh, Chris Swell, Kaufman and Henry, all Michigan guys, all Michigan high school baseball players. Jordan Wogu, Michigan high school baseball player. Uh, they were loaded with them, you know, and they do a good job recruiting nationally. Like, obviously, the best teams in the country do. But at the same time, man, it's who were the, you know, it was a handful of second rounders on the mound that, that Chris Fetter developed those guys into. And, and, you know, with early with some help from Sean Kenny uh, in the early years of some of those guys. But uh, yeah, man, it, it, those are Michigan kids. And, and as a guy who saw them all play in high school, you know, I didn't have Tommy Henry with a second round grade. I didn't have Carl Kaufman with a second round grade. I didn't have Jeff Criswell with a grade like that. Jordan Woku, like I think Jordan would tell you, he he wasn't real good as a high school player. Um, not you know, not even like on the draft card. But with that being said, you're talking about the the player development abilities that that U of M has put forth. But that's not what this segment is about. We're talking about best high school teams. You just got me on a little bit of a tangent there because what a <laughs> what a great year that was, 2019 for U of M. Um, but yes, anyways, so I'm going to put you on the spot off the top of your head. Don't look up any Wikipedia, nothing, blah, 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 blah. Who's the greatest high school baseball team in Michigan history, or at least to your knowledge. Yeah. Thank God you said to your knowledge. And, and I preface this. So, so Aaron, Aaron Wilson was the one who, who created this narrative, uh, a question and, and put it out there and started the conversation. Right. So, so credit to him for that. And this was in my response to him, I said, Hey, I, I don't think I have the the age or the um, the experience of watching teams uh, because really I'm 24. I've been watching teams since I was probably 15, uh, and memorable ones probably since I was about 16. Uh, so you're talking about 10 years there that I've had of experience uh, seeing teams, which I just don't think is enough to to make a call that's definitive on history. But to my knowledge, I think. The best team that I've seen play and watched play and been able to to go out there, I do believe it is the the Orchard Lake team of 2019 um, because because of Brian Sikowski. No, because that team had a very deep rotation. I think that at the top, Logan Wood was was absolutely incredible and was dominant each time he went out. I think the lineup was top to bottom. Uh, they had in great defense. I mean, Alex Mooney was was out there and I think he's as good of a shortstop that we've seen in the state in an extremely long time. Um you had I think one thing that doesn't get looked at a lot about that team was speed. You had speed across the board. Um don't get me wrong, you had power too, but you really had speed across the board. And there was a lot of runs manufactured because of that. Uh and a lot of that goes into to base running IQ and that's that's good coaching on uh coach Petrie's part, but that team was that team was special obviously the the D2 championship being, I think, a mercy rule or something close to that uh, speaks volumes to how successful of a year that was. Uh, Now, I will say that year, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm almost positive on this, that year was the Country Day Orchard Lake game. That was just an incredible game in the district final. I know that happens a lot, but I think that was that year was the the, uh, Schubert home run late in the game. So weirdly enough about that game, right? District final, we're at Notre Dame prep at country day. We're playing against country day who we every year since I've been at St. Mary's, we just beat the crap out of each other. Um, 
I had to leave. Like that was the night of the draft. That was the, f- the first day of the draft in 2019 was that day. So, I, and I was about to leave on like a two week road trip too. Um, so that was essentially what I thought at the time was my last game. Like I was like, okay, well, yeah. So I did as much draft prep as I could leading up. And obviously that's a year long process, but we won't get into that. But um, so I went out there and I was there for like three innings and we'd gotten down two to one or something like that. I think we got down two nothing early and then like clawed back and, and uh, um, got in my car and was driving back. Cause like, Hey, I got, I have to be in my office in front of my laptop when the draft starts. It's like, you know, the super bowl of my professional year. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm driving and I'm, you know, driving dangerously and that uh, game changer is up on my, you know, on my thigh, on my phone and I'm, watching every pitch and yeah, like Shubar hit a bomb. Uh, and obviously in the, in the interim I've seen video. And so he, hits a bomb basically dead center, a little bit oppo center, uh, just a nuke. And like that put us ahead, something like five to three. Don't quote me on that. Matt will know though. Um, and that was, I'm screaming in the car. I'm slamming on the, on the steering wheel. I'm like going nuts. There's people staring at me. I'm on telegraph. I remember where I was. I was, I was on telegraph in like Redford. Um, heading north or heading south and, and yeah so that was a, a, a really good game obviously and, and Logan Wood you, we talked about him already he started that game and didn't start it well you know he, he was a little scattered and he was a little too ramped up and he got down early and, and but it didn't matter you know that's Logan um, but yeah man it was a fun game that was a fun year obviously and then luckily enough I was able to get back for the state championship game um, after my, my road trip but yeah, man, what a, what a year, what a team. It was a lot of fun. And then those kids, it's, uh, um, the talent is one thing and, and you know, I'm not going to be super like overly, oh, shucks, humble guy. Like there's talent on that team. Like really just look, you know, there's a lot of talent on the team, but it's, it's the Petrie hates the word culture, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's the culture that, that Matt's created there that, seniors and seniors and seniors and seniors have progressively like manifested. And then the next group grabs it by the reins as those guys move on. And and the year after year sort of self accountability demand for excellence that, that the baseball program there maintains. That's why that program's good, man. You know, the talent is one thing, like you can lose with talent all the time. Um, but no, those kids are of a special breed. It's a special breed of parents. It's it's a, a lot of fun, and, and I'm so, so, so lucky to be a part of it. No question. I'd say on that note, which is also, by the way, before we move on, that is the most interesting way to find out as a coach that you're going to win, arguably, the biggest game of the season. <laughs> Uh, but that's also the beauty of being like us where one job just simply isn't enough, especially in baseball. Uh, we need, we need more and more and more, uh, which is, which is always fun. Uh, so another team I wanted to mention, I really liked, and and this might be a little, little awkward to go from Olake to brother rice, but the 2013, 2014 brother rice teams, you're talking the teams with Nick Plummer, with Alex Malzone, with, um, Rupenthal, those teams were really, really, really stacked. Uh, they played the game extremely well. Um, they, I don't remember the specifics of it uh, as far as game by game goes and, and which one of those teams 
won the state final or, or what have you, but I, I do remember that they often won at Comerica, often, often, and uh, all yep. through high school for me, from what I remember. Um, but that team was, that Brother Rice team was really the culmination of a program that started out as the Macomb Mudhens, but later became the Hit Dogs, and that was mm-hmm. uh, Tony and Scott Leonard's uh, operation. And they might not know this. I think they do, but they might not know this. But I played for a little team called the Downriver Outlaws. <laughs> and you'll notice right in front of that Outlaws is Downriver, and that's, that's for good reason. Uh, and I remember playing those teams uh, a lot. We played them in the state semifinal, I think, uh, back when states was a big deal, which I miss. I wish that there could be some sort of state tournament that had some meaning to it in, in summer ball. Um, but I remember playing against them and in the semifinal and they just absolutely ran us absolutely ran us oh it wasn't even close it was it was eight nothing by the fourth inning and that was it which was a lot back then um you know or maybe it was 10 whatever it was but that team had malzone that team had um all kinds of kids that would i think Plummer was on that team and and those kids would end up going on to brother rice and creating a team that was extremely good for a couple years there and still still a very good program by by all by all means but at those two teams 13 14 i think was the years even 15 uh, those teams were great and a lot of fun to watch. Uh, you brought up Rice of that era. I, I think it had to have been 2015 that spring. I was um, like my first year scouting full time. Um, and I went out to see Plummer play and they'd matched up with Notre Dame Prep, who started Luke Schilling uh, as a ah. name from the past there. Yep. And you want to talk? I mean, I had never in my life seen that many scouts at a game in the state of Michigan. And since then, there, you know, I think there was, I, I'm trying to think of different examples. Like there was probably more scouts at a, at a Tommy Henry start or, or something like that. But uh, and there may may or may not be more for for Alex this uh, this coming spring or uh, Micah Ottenbright maybe at Trenton. Um, but yeah, so it's a that was nuts in and of itself. And then you you see these two like powers of the Catholic League locking horns and. and Nick Plummer goes in the first round two months later and Luke Schilling turns down big money to go to Illinois two months later. And, uh, that was fun, man. And that was one of those teams, uh, you know, Davis Feldman, who's had a good career at Eastern Michigan was on one of those teams. Um, and just, just a really ever strong program on, under coach Riker there at Rice. And, uh, they have set the standard, you know, divine child in the early to mid part of uh, the last decade. And then, um, that was the team when I was in high school, you know, like I graduated in 08 and DC was, and I didn't have a, I don't remember having like a big statewide knowledge of like who was good or not. Like I knew who was good down river. Um, but yeah, man, divine child was the, they were the dudes, you know, like I remember watching Alan Oaks play, like I was a freshman and he was a senior or something along those lines. And like, I thought that guy was the best player I'd ever seen in my entire life or ever would see in my entire life uh, as, as a 15-year-old freshman. Um, you know, LeMayhew and Rice also, uh, another name from, from back then. Um, but, yeah, man, like special, special teams in, in that Catholic League, and, and we're definitely going to touch on other programs not in the Catholic League. Uh, for those listening who are maybe upset at us for doing that, uh, probably, they probably want us to mention yeah. Homer, yeah. who has the most consecutive yeah, wins in the history yep. of <laughs> Michigan baseball. Yep. But uh, had a bunch of Chippewas go through uh, Homer High School and then on to Central Michigan. I believe 
Dale Cornstubble is a name. I believe he was an all-state catcher during those years at Homer that uh, he then went and was a, like you know an all-Mac catcher at CMU. I, I might be misremembering the dates. Ope will give us a good answer on that. Um, but yeah, like just really, really good teams that, that uh, produced really good players who went on to have really good careers. Funny how that works. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and lastly, before we before we wrap this, another team I wanted to mention. Again, this is recent, so I don't want anybody to be upset. I would rather you take a team that maybe we didn't mention and tweet it at us or message us or, or text us if you know us and we'll cover our ground in talking about them all right this is we're we're really we're talking recent here again this might sound even more recent than the last one but i really liked the 2018 girls point south team i thought that was a team that was it was really good as well uh coached a kid on that team cam malik who's at butler now and i remember him as a sophomore just really fitting in and blending in as a team. I didn't I don't I don't think I coached him then. I just knew him from watching him play, which obviously when I ended up having him on my roster the following year, I, I was a pretty excited about that. But that team beat a team who's a little close to home for us, Woodhaven, in the state final in twenty eighteen. Beat him pretty easily with a rather talented arm on the mound in Colin Schakowsky, who started at Michigan, is now Wabash Valley and is surely going to move on to another uh highly regarded division one program thereafter and girls point south went out there and, and pretty much ran the show in that state championship uh another team to think about as well in recent years was that portage northern team who also upset woodhaven yep. uh in the quarterfinal those are two teams i liked a lot as well those are really good woodhaven teams that you're talking about there like most you know very recently like 2018 2019 those were really really good woodhaven teams we those started are- at yeah, the 2019 season. We uh, when we won a state, we got we kicked off with Woodhaven and Chikowski shoved it on us like you wouldn't believe. Like we like it had never been shoved on the Eaglets before. <laughs> that guy, it's you know it's 33 degrees and it's sleeting and it's windy right off the lake there where we play and then we're opening at home and this team has so much talent. We're all excited about it and he was like five innings, two hits, no walks, nine punches, shoving just dominating and i'm like you know i'm sitting next to matt on the bench and i'm like hey listen i don't want to hit it either you know like 92 <laughs> 93 when it's that cold and he's bringing it in on your hands i'm like you know matt the left side swearing, no less matt swearing and kicking chairs and i'm like matt hey <laughs> sometimes you tip your cap man uh, and we definitely tipped our caps to Colin that day he was really really good those woodhaven teams man I coached at Trenton during that time. Uh, I, pl- I forgot to mention this in my intro, but I, I played under Zalka, Coach Zalka, and then I ended up coaching with him as well uh, at the varsity level. And that I remember playing those Woodhaven teams because you're in Downriver, and, and like you said earlier, we pretty when you play in Downriver, you pretty much only know about Downriver. Now that that changes a lot nowadays with a lot of scouting services out there and plenty of social media. Social media, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but. I remember playing or coaching with those Trenton teams, twenty eight. I think it was 2018 and 2019. Um, I, I wasn't there for the 2019 season, but those two Woodhaven teams, I'll tell you, that 2018 team that went to the state championship had one of the best one-two punches at the top of the rotation that I've seen in, in my year. So you're talking 2010 to now. So about 10 years, I haven't seen a one-two punch I haven't seen many one-two punches, I should say, that, that could equal the one that was Colin Schakowsky and Drew Schapaniak. 
Now, Ryan Shapaniak and Colin Schakowsky made for a pretty nice one the next year. Uh, but if it would have been Ryan and Colin and Drew all in their prime, goodness gracious, those three. Uh, Drew's at Western Michigan now, and uh, we spoke on Colin. And then Ryan Shapaniak's a, a signee to Michigan State in the senior class this year. But that team in 2018 would haul out Drew Shapaniak, left-hander, who was 85, 87, sometimes would touch up to 88. And then they, if they, you know, the next day it would be Colin Schakowsky who was a junior at the time and wasn't quite up to 93 yet, but was still hovering to that 88-91 mark and was absolutely dominant. Uh, but I'll tell you, those two, how they were so different on the mound was interesting because Drew was a silent assassin and Colin Schakowsky didn't say much to you, but his eyes talked. I mean, he oh, went out there yeah. and he hunted and he was pretty darn good at it. And and those two, those teams were feared. Best story I have on that team is uh, Drew Schapaniak pitching against Trenton 2018, no hitter. Perfect game, two outs, seventh inning. Our player hits the baseline. That ends. <laughs> and, I mean, he just hit it off the top of the base. I think we're down 5 nothing. Virtually no chance at this game going anywhere. Woodhaven was undefeated in the league, I believe, or, or at the very least one loss. And <laughs> Crazy moment. But what, what, what a conversation about some, some great teams of recent. If you have any teams out there that are from the far back past or teams that we simply just did not mention, especially those early 2000s teams. I know we'll probably hear about some Liggett teams. We'll hear about some uh, some Girls Point South teams. Uh, maybe Bill Babcock's Girls Point North team in the, I think it was either 80s or 90s. That was really good. Um, just be sure to mention it to us. We'd love to hear it. I think there's probably some great Hudsonville teams as well, uh, especially West Side teams that maybe we just weren't lucky enough to grow up around. Uh, but terrific segment to kick off the show. And if you consider yourself to be a Michigan high school baseball historian of sorts, by all means, contact us. We'd love to have you on. You <laughs> We'd love to have you on. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. And now we will take you to our inaugural player interview, our first one of cold weather bats lengthy history uh, with Alex Mooney, a very interesting national prospect, a, a draft prospect. He's a Duke signee. Plays at Orchard Lake St. Mary's. He's a state champion there. And he's going to talk to us about routine and everything in between. Welcome back to the inaugural episode of Cold Weather Bats. Uh, We're excited to our first uh, player segment. Uh, And we are joined by uh, class of 2021 standout, the the best player in the the best senior, uh, Orchard Lake St. Mary's shortstop. Kane's national shortstop in the summer, perfect game All-American and perfect game All-American classic MVP, Alex Mooney. Thanks for joining us, Al. Of course. Alex, uh, really exciting year year for you, obviously, Uh, but you grew up playing in the Michigan amateur scene and obviously being around the summer ball scene uh, in Michigan playing for the uh, very well-known Motor City Hit Dogs. And and, uh, a question I had for you here to start off is, this year, as we as Brian mentioned, you were with Canes National, playing with a bunch of kids who aren't from Michigan after playing so many years with kids from Michigan. Uh, talk about the difference between playing with a lot of those kids from down south compared to playing with a lot of those kids from Michigan. Yeah, so playing with those kids down south, uh, obviously playing for Canes National, everyone on there is pretty good, or else they wouldn't be on Canes National. So <clears throat> it, really, uh, it really motivates you to kind of be the best player at ECD, so... You always want to prove yourself when you're on the field with people that are just as good as you and kind of prove that you belong there. And, uh, you know, it's it's kind of weird playing with those kids because they're talking about, you know, like their fall practices and winter practices when 
in Michigan, we, we don't have those, obviously. So uh, it, gets, it gets too cold up here. So we're, uh, we're in the weight room while they're on the field every day, which, you know, it's, uh, it's a little different, but I, I really don't mind it. And uh, it kind of helps me personally because I feel like, you know, we get the winner the whole winter to go in the cages and hit and stuff like that. And uh, I feel like, like the bats up in the north uh, have really come a long way from what they used to be. Yeah, Al, to, to follow up on that, I guess my question is, like, where do you, you know, from your perspective as a player, your perspective as a, as a high-level player, where do you see Michigan baseball as a whole versus that of the other the other parts of the country? You know, like like you said, those guys can play outside all year long in a lot of places. You know, we can't right. up here. So what is what is your sort of – your the, I guess I guess the question is what how do you break down the the sort of strengths and weaknesses of each kind of situation? Yeah, so strengths definitely I feel like hitting in the north is a huge strength. Like I feel like a lot of good hitters are from cold weather states, which you know obviously we're inside all the time, we're hitting in the cages, we're hitting machine working and stuff like that. Uh I feel like the better pitchers I face in the last few years have come down south. Um whether that's, you know, getting outside and, and long tossing or just throwing a lot year-round, you know, live ABs, live games, stuff like that. Uh, I think that probably plays part into that. But definitely hitting, hitting, I feel like the North has a little bit of an advantage because we have uh, we don't really have anything else to do besides hit and work out of here. So I feel like that plays our advantage. And then pitching, and I would say probably uh, the infielders down south, from what I've seen, have been, you know, pretty comfortable outside all the time. And for me, it, it doesn't really affect me because, you know, I spend like my whole summer down in Georgia and Florida and stuff like that. So I'm pretty used to it. But uh, a lot of kids up in Michigan and in the North don't really get the opportunity to go down there. So I feel like they definitely have an op- like a, an advantage down there. But I mean, hitting wise, which I think is really important. I think uh, Michigan and Northern States definitely have an advantage. Would you say that the perceived, I guess, gap in talent between the South and North has a pretty healthy amount to do with the access they have and the facilities they have and the weather that they have? Uh, or would you say that that, that that gap is just kind of perceived that way because of those things? Uh, that, personally, I don't think that gap is very big anymore. Um, I feel like there's a lot of good players in, in the North that are starting to kind of you know, with perfect game, PBR, and all these other, like, showcase and, like, scouting scouting events and stuff like that, I feel like they're kind of getting our names out there and showing people that, you know, just because we're from a cold-weather state doesn't mean that we can't play baseball. So I think that uh, the gap is, is not as big as a lot of people think it is. And, that you know, obviously those kids have a little bit of an advantage that they can go outside all the time and play year-round, but... Again, you know, we have an advantage. We get to we sit inside and we hit you around, and it kind of builds that you know that gritty mentality that you know we don't care if it's cold or warm. We're going to go out there and we're going to play as hard as we can. So, Alex, obviously, you're uh, you're just kind of a couple months coming off of what was a long summer circuit, uh, mm-hmm. and as a, a as a pre-draft player, as as a draft prospect, and in this year's class, your summer looks a little bit different than the guys who are playing travel ball at different levels and. Um, so I guess my question then is, is what do you think you did really well this summer and what are you focused on improving this off season? Yeah. So the summer, I feel like I, I hit at every stop I went, you know, like every term, every showcase or whatever, I feel like I 
definitely displayed that I can hit and I can hit the top arms in our class, which was pretty big for me. And then uh, another thing I feel like I did really well was in the field. I, I didn't make any errors for Kane this summer, which was huge for me. I really hammered that home um, off season, kind of getting a lot of reps and ground balls and stuff like that. So that was, uh, that was big for me. And, uh, you know, get, looking uh, this off season, I'm just really looking to get stronger. I'm lifting like four to five times a week. So just getting stronger, I feel like that will improve every aspect of my game, whether it's throwing harder, running faster, hitting the ball further, you know. Just kind of getting bigger, stronger, and faster every day is what I'm focused on right now. So I think every great player that you talk to in baseball, whether it be – uh, a player that's in the professional ranks or, or even players that are in high school and college, really, really the elite players, they all have a process, a little bit of a routine, right. if you will. Uh, talk about yours. Yeah. So right now I'm, I'm like, I, I like to be really like schedule oriented. So I like to kind of have my day like lined up. So I'm going to do this, this and this. I don't really like to, you know, just kind of go out and wing it. So I usually I just wake up do my school cause it's all online right now. And then I'll uh, go work out at USB, and then uh, get some swings in there or I'll head over to the hit dog facility, which is insane, by the way. If you guys haven't seen that lately, it's absolutely unbelievable. So I'll go in there and I'll, you know, get some machine work or something like that, hit tracks, rep soda, whatever I want to do that day, and then come home, you know, do my homework or whatever, and I just kind of repeat that every day. And then, you know, during the spring, it's, basically the same thing, you know, go to school, go to practice, try to try to get my list in whenever I can, and then, you know, whatever I'm struggling with, focus on that after practice and get a little bit of extra reps there, and same thing with the summer, I would say. What are you looking forward to most this spring? Big spring for you, hopefully Michigan yeah. baseball obviously is, is able to play, and there's a lot of stuff coming your way this, this coming year in the spring and in the summer, so what are you looking forward to the most? Yeah, personally, uh, I'm most looking forward to uh, just going out there and playing with our team that we have. Um, I feel like our roster is pretty stacked right now. We have like 12 or 13 D1 commits or something like that. So just going out there and, uh, you know, competing for a state championship is what I'm looking forward to most. You know, I'm not really too worried about, like, you know, the scouts and everyone that's going to come and watch me play. I just kind of want to, you know, help our team win and then, uh, you know, and helping our team win, it'll, hopefully I'll play well and stuff like that. And the scouts like what they see. So obviously on that topic, you've been a part of a, of a pretty successful uh, few years as, a, as an eagle at Orchard Lake, to say the least. So what I want to hear from you is, is about what's gone into the establishment of that, that culture there. And uh, you guys have obviously continued to, to be successful uh, year in and year out. Uh, so talk about yep. the culture that Coach Petrie, Coach Petrie's built there uh, and, and what role you've played in it. Yeah, so the culture's been awesome since I've got there. I mean, we've had, like, the, we went to the Final Four my freshman year and then won it my sophomore year. So obviously it's like a, it's a winning culture. You know, everyone everyone kind of has that will to win and to compete. And uh, in the offseason, I feel like that's probably the most important thing about our program versus other programs. You know, everyone on our team is, you know, focused on getting better. No one's screwing around the off season, you know, playing, playing video games all day. We're all in the weight room, getting our work in and pushing each other to be the best. If, uh, if someone's like not doing as much as they can do, like we'll get on them. You know, we hope each other are accountable and try to make everyone the best player that they can be. And then once the season comes around, uh, as a captain, I, I kind of feel it's like my, 
my key to hold everyone accountable. And, you know, if you're not doing your job, I'm going to get on you for it. And that's what I feel like Petrie and all the other captains and leaders on our team have done a really good job of. So everyone's focused all the time at practice, at games. And, you know, we want to win every game, whether that's like we want to, we want to go 45 and 0. So, I mean, it's, it's realistic. I mean, it could happen. And even if it doesn't, then you don't go 45 and 0, you'll probably win a bunch of games anyway. So that's kind of our goal and how we look at things. Alex, we appreciate you taking the time, man. We're going to ask you one more question and put you on the spot here a little bit. Uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier in the in the broadcast that uh, you obviously you saw most, if not all, of the top arms in the prep class this this uh, this past yep. summer on the road. Who was the nastiest one? Uh, you know this answer. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say <laughs> Carter Holton from Georgia. Uh, it's really without a doubt to be honest and honest, but. Two more names that I'd say are definitely uh, really uncomfortable at that is uh, Andrew Painter and Chase Petty. Those guys are not fun to face. For the listeners at home, um, Chase Petty throws 100, Andrew Painter 6'8 and throws 98, and Carter Holden is left-handed and throws 96 with a plus slider and a plus changeup. So, you know, <laughs> not too yeah, bad. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, hitting is hard, so... That's why. <laughs> well, we appreciate you taking the time, Alex. Uh, it was great talking to you, and thanks for being our inaugural guest, and I am sure we will all keep in touch with you soon. Go ahead and plug any kind of social media you'd like here, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is. Uh, follow me on Instagram, AlexMarie2, and uh, I'm honored to be the first guest. Truly really an honor. All right. Great conversation there with Alex Mooney. I want to thank him for uh, taking the time to come on the show on the first episode. What a way to kick it off with a prospect that you've had the opportunity to to coach and you've also had the opportunity uh, with Perfect Game to scout. Yeah, and it's, you know, I, I always, and my, my colleagues at PG will tell you this too, I'm always a little, like, hesitant uh, with guys I coach. Hesitant's not the right word. I just, like, I don't want to ever be perceived as the guy who's like promoting his own kids over, you know, over anybody else just because I coach them or something like that. I just don't want that, that vibe. That's not how I want to do things. So I don't. Um, but Alex, it was, it was kind of a, it was kind of a, like, he didn't really give me a choice. You know, um, my first year out there, he was in eighth grade and he would come and his older brother was on the team. He was a sophomore at the time who played first base. Shouts out to Jack. Um, but anyways, he would come and like take ground balls after our practice. And I remember like the first time I saw him, like, Matt, who's that? Like, that's Jack's younger brother. I go, well, what? Like, why isn't he playing? It's like, well, he's in eighth grade. And I was like, oh, word. Um, just, uh, it's been, it's been super fun to be a part of, uh, maybe not be a part of, but, but be witness to his, uh, his baseball story. Um, through being at St. Mary's and then, then obviously having the opportunity to watch him a bunch play in the summer, um, and, you know, get to know his family and, and his brothers are, are incredible people and his parents are incredible people. And it's just been a, a real honor to, to be, you know, like I said, witness to, uh, Alex's story, uh, from a baseball perspective. And he's just, uh, he makes everyone around him better, man. That's just reality, and that's not just the players on the field. He makes uh, he makes his coaches better around him. He makes uh, he makes anybody he comes in contact with better. So, just really been fun. 
And you mentioned family with Alex, and, and I've gotten a chance to know his parents uh, and the rest of his family as well. I had an opportunity to coach a Mooney, and what a great family. What, what I mean, you talk about a family-oriented environment that they create. Joe is a guy who, who simply lets his kids be his kids and, and lets them express themselves as individuals, and I think that goes a long way. Uh, so, you know, big fan of Joe and what he's done with those kids. Uh, so moving on. That's it for our first episode. It went by in a blink, a breeze in the wind, and wow, I had fun. I don't know if that sounds lame. I don't know if that makes me sound extremely boring, uh, that I'm sitting in a room that is silent and speaking into a microphone and then listening to others on the other end and having loads of fun, but I think about what it's going to culminate to, and I think about the people listening at home, and I think about the value of the conversations we're having and and the ears that it's finding, and I have fun with that. Yeah, definitely, man. Me too. I I think that um, for all the the, like planning that we did and for all the, well, what if we did this, and what if we did this, and conversations we had, like actually getting it down and kind of getting into the flow of the interviews and getting into the flow of, of you and I's conversation and then just kind of bouncing off of each other. I think it turned out really well. I'm excited for, for everybody to hear it, but most importantly, man, we want to hear from you, the listeners, tell us what you want us to talk about. Do you, do you like that? We talk about historically great teams. If you don't want to hear it, let us know. We'll stop. Uh, who do you want to hear from? What coaches, what players, what stories do you want to hear? Um, anything and everything is game. As far as this podcast, we're just looking to, to sort of shine a light um, and highlight Michigan amateur baseball uh, at every level. You know, we're going to talk high school. We're going to talk travel. We're going to talk college. Uh, we're going to talk Juco, which if you follow me on Twitter, you know, is near and dear in my heart. Um, <laughs> And speaking of Twitter, Brandon, do you want to close a little housekeeping? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at B underscore Sikowski underscore PG. And if you don't know how to spell Sikowski and you're from the Polish sect of Don River, shame on you. Uh, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. You can follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore B Justice. And you can follow the account at Cold Weather Bats because thankfully for us, we're the only cold weather bats out there, and nobody can take that from us. And to piggyback off of what you said here before we close, we are trying to shine a light. This show is not about us. This show has has nothing to do with its hosts. We are lucky enough to, to have created this idea uh, and to to act on it and to have the means to act on it. And a lot of conversation went into this a lot of preparation went into this a lot of what's the best way to go about this went into this it wasn't something that we put together put in the oven and hoped that it came out right uh this is something that we were i've at least stayed up taking notes on and and trying to trying to work out we're lucky enough to have podcast experience so, so we're good on that end we didn't have to do a whole lot of that uh but a lot of idea went into this. This is just simply the culmination of a a whole lot of conversations before. And I can promise you that this episode will culminate into episode, hopefully 100. That'll sound a whole lot different and hopefully a whole lot better than this one, even though I think this one went pretty good, pretty good. All right. So we will see you guys next week, same time, Tuesday morning. And until then, please let us know what you want to hear because that's all we're trying to do. All right, Michigan, take it easy.